Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Uh, Joining me for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Shane, great to be back with you. I know there's a lot of timely topics we want to bring our listeners, our clients up to speed on. So looking forward to the conversation. Good to be with you midweek, Dan. We're speaking here on a Wednesday because yesterday evening we did hear from President Biden. He did deliver his State of the Union address to the nation. A lot of ground was covered. I know the speech ran a bit on the longer side. So there's a lot to dig into here. From your vantage point, what would you say are some of the more notable themes or messages from the address? And what has the reception of the address consisted of? Yeah, it was a fairly well-received speech where, you know, he hit a couple of different topics. I think most first and maybe most notably thoughts was, you know, he kind of gave a greatest hit, you know, talking about all that he's accomplished, um, how the economy is, you know, doing well uh, in, in his view, um, progress they've made on bipartisan legislation like the infrastructure law. So, you know, trying to tout his accomplishments till now. Um, and still show in his mind that he can and will work across the aisle. Um, so he's trying to, you know, in some sense, you know, uh, hold out that olive branch for opportunities to work together. But, you know, then, of course, you know, you have him peppering in some uh, uh, ideas that would appeal to middle class Americans, you know, touching on health care, uh, veterans issues and police, which a lot of, you know, middle America does care about. And what I thought was also very interesting was that, you know, there was hints of populism that he wove into the speech, you know, going after airlines and other industries like um, hotels for hidden fees, you know, so and made in America products trying to, you know, bolster that we buy uh, products made in America. Um, So, you know, I think that populism uh, not only reaches, you know, middle America, but, you know, some of those independent voters who are feeling the frustrations of, you know, uh, uh, on a daily basis. You know, another thing I I thought was interesting was there was some foreign policy, you know, thrown in there, most notably China and Ukraine slash Russia. But really, it was it was um, underplayed. And I think that goes back to the point about appealing to uh, middle America, where, you know, a lot of Americans are just so focused um, for so many reasons on, you know, their daily lives, you know, being able to pay um, the bills that feels like comes to their inbox every day um, versus, you know, some of these larger things uh, like foreign policy. So I think he you know, it was important that he had to touch on those issues, um, uh, and most notably China and Ukraine and Russia. But you know, I think you know it was it was interesting to see him not dwell on those issues. And you know, also I I, I thought it was interesting that I think he purposely showed that he has some fight left in him. You know, there are all these questions about his age, but I, I think he he purposely sparred a little bit. 
to try and show that, you know, there's still some pep left in his stuff. Well, Shane, thank you for the recap. And as you outlined for us, a wide ranging address, which covered a lot of topics, top of mind for Americans. I know we just got through the midterm elections, but of course, already a lot of focus is on decision 2024. Did you pick up on anything indicative within the address as to what President Biden's intentions might be for the next election cycle? I view the speech as setting himself up to run, um, not to say that he's definitely going to run. I think this speech, um, uh, for the many of the reasons I just laid out, was preparing for a run. You know, why, that's a great reason for him to do the greatest hits, as I mentioned, and all, all the things he's been able to accomplish, to try and show that he has a track record that um, – really, in his mind, leads to the conclusion that not only should he run, but he should be reelected. Um, and also, you know, some of those populist issues are to show um, independent voters that he is listening to, you know, uh, them and their daily uh, struggles and, you know, looking for solutions. So I think this speech really um, puts him in play as of now. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe at the end of the day he doesn't uh, end up running for re-election, but I think this speech really positions him as if he is going to. It'll be interesting to see if we hear anything in the way of follow-up announcements in the coming weeks or months. Shane, thank you for providing some takeaways from the address, as is often the case following the president's address. The party not occupying the White House does deliver to the American people a response to the State of the Union. Last night, we did hear the GOP response was delivered by newly elected Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So were there any notable takeaways or messaging from that response, Shane? Yeah, first, I always think it's notable to see who uh, is picked to give the response. And, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, not only is she, you know, only been governor for a few weeks, but, you know, uh, she's much younger than President Biden, which she was quick to point out that she's, you know, the youngest uh, governor in America at 40 years old, where uh, President Biden is double her age. So, you know, I think that was a purposeful juxtaposition of, you know, youth versus um, you know, we'll say someone more experienced. So, you know, um, giving the responses is, is a tough assignment. And, you know, given that, you know, I think she did a good job. Um, you know, it, it is more of an uphill climb. And, you know, previous people who've given that have also, have often gotten very tough reviews. And I, and I think for the most part, you know, maybe you don't love what she had to say. Overall, she did a good job. I think, you know, pointing to that youth, she also noted several times that she is a mother of three kids. So I think this was purposeful to help um, her relate to uh, a lot of, you know, uh, soccer moms and active uh, parents who really identify with her in the sense of, you know, they the daily struggle of having kids, you know, waking up, getting them fed, getting them uh, to school, et cetera, while at the same time trying to to, you know, have a full-time job. So I think she is trying to identify with them and say, I understand many of the struggles that you go through in daily life, and that's why I'm here as governor trying to work uh, towards solutions to help you as, a, as, as you know, a parent who is, who is um, you know, not only trying to uh, provide for their children, but, you know, provide for your future. So I, I think that was very um, meaningful and purposeful to me. I think it was also interesting that, you know, she, she kind of um, 
tried to demonstrate, you know, her, her love of God and country. Um, and that is another juxtaposition, at least to, you know, Republicans, whereas, you know, in their minds, Democrats don't share that same value and, and value other things, which really set up a lot of um, uh, cultural war um, um, talk from Governor Sanders, you know, and this is a theme that I think you're going to continue to see Republicans play into that, you know, big government overreaching into your lives is not what they stand for. And that's another thing that uh, she was purposely um, um, pitching to the American people. All in, it's always a fascinating evening to hear from both sides of the aisle what they're interpreting to be top issues on the minds of Americans and what their thoughts are in the way of solutions on how to solve these issues and maybe come together as both parties to lead the country forward. So we'll see what comes from this in the months ahead. Another topic, Shane, this is stepping outside of domestic policy a bit. We spoke a bit on Friday about, at the time we were tracking this spy balloon, it was making its way across the continental U.S. was shot down, this spy balloon over the coast of the Carolinas. So I'm curious, what do we know as of today about the origins, the purpose of the balloon? And we talked about this a bit on Friday, but the implications of this turn of events here to U.S.-China relations. Yeah, no, this is uh, fascinating and something I've been uh, watching because uh, I'm just personally fascinated by this. And and I think it is important. Um for us to note this, you know, uh, since the balloon has been shot down, you know, the Navy has been picking up its pieces and, uh, ship and those pieces are being shipped to the FBI based in Quantico, Virginia for, um, for research essentially, you know, they're going to try and figure out what the capabilities of the balloon are, you know, not only, and how that information was disseminated back to China. Um, so we're doing, in the process of a lot of important uh, fact-finding now, and this has led them to our, uh, the U.S. government to already brief about 40 different embassies um, uh, that you know are allies of the United States to give them information about this. Because what what we're what the intelligence is showing is that this is not a one-time occurrence. You know, I think we noted that there was another balloon in uh, Central America last week, but. What intelligence is showing is that this uh, spy balloon program has been ongoing for 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 a few years now, and this isn't you know the the original run where there have been uh, probably at least three occurrences where one of these balloons has uh, gone over the United States previously under the uh, Trump administration, but they went undetected. Um, so I think a lot of the research now will be to how we can better detect these uh, balloons and and prevent any spying activities uh, in the future. And I think that's some of the information that uh, we're sharing now with uh, the embassies for other countries about, you know, the technology that was involved and, you know, how to possibly detect it. Um, this is important for a variety of reasons because there are a lot of other countries that uh, share our frustrations with China, you know, whether it be on trade, uh, human rights, you know, a variety of topics that, you know, we can, you know, have allies uh, with uh, for, uh, you know, as we continue to try and develop better relations with China. But realistically, this shows that 
um, you know, we're not on great ground with China, and we probably won't be anytime soon. So, you know, I think this is um, not a, you know, uh, defining moment in our relationship, but it, it does help, um, I think, policymakers, you know, understand some of the complexities at, at stake right now. And also, you know, both sides do view this to some extent as an adverse adversarial relationship. Um, so definitely more to be seen here, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, more information can be gleaned uh, over um, um, the remnants from the balloon that are now being poured through. I did see that Secretary of State Blinken, he did, I'm not sure if it was a full-on cancellation or perhaps a postponement of a planned foreign relations visit to Beijing. Any indication as to whether or not that's back on track or is it wait and see at the moment? Yeah, I think that's more of a you know postponement than a cancellation, um, which, you know, I, I think it's important because, you know, for Secretary Blinken, he's, he's just trying to, you know, hit the pause button. I think a full cancellation would, you know, maybe upset um, re- relations even worse than this incident does upset relations. So I would expect Secretary Blinken to go to China um, in the coming weeks or months. And this will also provide him an opportunity to push back on China, you know, because they're still claiming this was a weather balloon and it's our property and you should give it back. And I think to some extent, the Biden administration will need to look strong in China and send a strong message that um, sending balloons over the U.S. is unacceptable. And and also, you know, um, it's believed that these balloons have gone over other countries like, you know, Japan, India, Vietnam and the Philippines. And so getting those allies to possibly deliver the same message um, will will be important for uh, Secretary Blinken. So I wouldn't be surprised if while he uh, goes to uh, China in the future, he stops in some of those nations to to show that, you know, um, they are allies and we hope that we can work together in the future when it comes to uh, a lot of these issues dealing with China. As you pointed out before, still a lot of questions surrounding this. So we'll see what's uncovered and maybe we'll learn more as we look towards the future. Though, Shane, thank you again for dropping by. Very timely discussion. Thank you for keeping our listeners up to speed on what's occurring within Washington and around the world and looking forward to having you back again with us soon. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Shane. Today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman from the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. As a reminder to our listeners and our clients of UBS, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication, which can be located on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 